Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. He is a graduate of Amherst College with a B.A. in chemistry and political science. And today I shall grill him on the periodic chart. United States Senator Chris Coons is back in studio. We love it when you're here. So thank you for the visitation. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Michael. Um, I suspect grilling me on the periodic table will not grow your listenership. So so do you have a if I, I'm not doing so, but if I were to do so, do you, do you remember the elements? By the way, is the word elements? I think it was of the elements. Yes, it's, it's elements. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm a noble gases fan, um, but there's also alkali metals that I'm particularly fond of. Wow. Um, I have a book of the elements um, that I tried to interest my children in that has these like beautiful, lush photographs of all of the elements in their natural state, in their refined state, and in a commercial application. Um, I think I'm the only one pouring through that book at night for amusement in my home. I think it's great that there's a scientist in the Senate. I'm sure there are more than one. But the the blending of political science and chemistry, that has to be unique, right, that you would have both interests. I was government and journalism. That seems to fit. What I enjoyed about um, studying both these disciplines in college was the way it 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 challenged sort of both sides of my mind. I'd spend an hour in an intense uh, class discussion about, for example, diplomatic history between the two world wars and then do a three-hour organic chemistry lab. And I found it gave me a chance to to have very different insights about how knowledge works, about how systems work, about um, how we decide what is true and what isn't. Um, I like debating. Uh, I did a lot of debating in college. I was very active in uh, political science and campus politics and the debate society. But I also liked the certainty of science. Um, there was an answer. At the end of a three-hour lab, everybody who was in that lab either did or didn't get the atomic number of the particular substance we were finding correct, right or not. Yeah. What, I mean, right? <laughs> I don't it's know. part of the I fun. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I was writing introductory paragraphs for news articles. <laughs> Do you know there's a controversy as to whether organic chemistry should be a prerequisite for physicians? I know you're not a physician. You're a lawyer. Are you aware of that? No. That, yeah. How you, could you not require organic chemistry? Okay. I'm just telling you it's an issue. It is an issue that, that some say it should no longer be a requirement. Yale Law School, Yale Divinity School, some would say being a lawyer and a man of faith are incompatible, but you are in the Senate prayer group. Are there a lot of Senate prayer groups or um, just one? So there's one that meets every Wednesday in the Capitol that is bipartisan, hmm. <clears throat> that is... Um, 
uh, convened by our chaplain and that is only senators. There are several other groups. Um, I belong to another one that's sponsored by Faith and Politics, a group that um, uh, Congressman John Lewis was very closely associated with. That group is Democrats only. Um, we Most of its members lean more progressive, and we tend to have more of a um, conversation about our shared values and priorities. The Wednesday morning uh, prayer breakfast is intentionally nonpartisan or bipartisan. Is it well attended? Uh, about two dozen senators really? um, every Wednesday. Same and, two dozen? Oh, no, it changes pretty regularly. There's sort of a core group that's always there, and then folks who come, you know, one out of three, one out of four. It's early in the morning, and so there's often conflicts. And it's not a set, uh, it's not a set group, although it's a set time and agenda. I have learned more from those hours spent listening to one of my colleagues talk about their life um, than I have at any other time. I'll give you one quick example. And I, I, one of the rules of that prayer group is we don't go into any detail about what people say. Um, John Barrasso, who grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania. I, I know him. I went to Switzerland with him 100 years ago when so, we were so-called young leaders. Well, um, now that he's a very seasoned leader. He's a leader. Um, one of the things that I – so this was back when I was commuting every single day from Wilmington when my kids were – in high school to get up at five and get on the train at six fifteen, just and like Joe, make it down to Washington in time for an eight a.m. breakfast. Yeah, I remember yeah. looking at my alarm and going, "My God, why am I doing this?" Right. Every single time I made myself go and listen to someone like Mike Lee or John Barrasso, who I thought I had nothing in common with, I got profound insights into their motivation, their values, their background. Uh, Orrin Hatch was a senator from Utah. My very first bill that was signed into law was in partnership with Orrin Hatch. Going to prayer breakfast and hearing the arc of his life. He was raised a Democrat. Um, he was a union member uh, very early in his career. Um, his Mormonism and his connection to Utah and his um, sort of development in the political environment of Utah really shaped his views. But he and I were able to craft a real working partnership um, I think it's one of the least understood and least well-appreciated elements of Washington. Uh, next week, we are going to again have the National Prayer Breakfast. In its previous iterations, it was subject to some criticism and scrutiny. Because um, it became political, or the perception was? Th there was uh, both the perception and the reality that right. m many of us who were members of Congress who attended this massive annual breakfast with thousands of people didn't really know um, who was being invited, by whom, how the money was being raised, how it was being operated. Senator Lankford of Oklahoma and I um, have been the leaders, the chair or the vice chair of the Ethics Committee now for several Congresses, and he and I were the co-chairs of that national prayer breakfast several years ago. Um, and along with many other colleagues, we began pressing the point, we, sh we should have a separate, um, clear, simple uh, Congress-only foundation that is responsible for our role in this annual event. The president will speak again next week. Um, and part of uh, what's happened is we have now um, legally separated from that uh, much larger organization. Um, and so next Thursday, we're going to have a fairly small, intimate gathering where there are two well-known pastors, uh, one more progressive, one more conservative, um, some wonderful music and our president and a relatively intimate gathering of members of Congress and family. And that's really how it began. And that's really how it's been intended. You are the holder. You reference the president. You are the holder of what I still regard as the Biden seat. I guess you're the junior because of Carper. You're the, the junior senator, even though since 2010, 
right? Since 2010. Yeah, but since 2010. Harper's been a U.S. senator since 2000. Since 2000. Wow. Holy smokes. So how often do you see or uh, we'll get some water for, for the senator. How often do you see or uh, speak to the president? Uh, not as much as I'd like. Right. Um, but I think as much as is necessary. He um, occasionally just calls me out of the blue um, to bounce something off me or to ask advice or to process something that's just happened. Um, but I've tried hard not to um, call him or visit him needlessly. Um, he's very busy. He's got a lot on his plate. One of the joys of um, having known our president in a long time um, is the way that time in Delaware and time with Delawareans and time um, with those of us who've known him for decades um, seems to bring him um, to refresh him, to give him a sense of just sort right. of in other words, you're, hanging you're, out with an like, old oh, friend. To see, okay, there you go. Yeah, to see you is to brighten his day because hey, I'm not going to get hurt here. It's Chris. Yeah, I I worked hard to I think earn a place as someone who they trust um, and who he and his inner circle know um, will give him advice and input that's blunt, um, honest, and from a place of respect and friendship. You are about to drink from the balance delivered daily mug. I do hope you enjoy. Yes, that is my likeness on the reverse side. And one can be yours for the small sum of, I don't even know, what do we sell the mugs for? I doubt <laughs> is, is, there, is there a senatorial discount Mm-mm. is the question. I, I mean, cannot accept a senatorial <laughs> discount. I explicitly cannot accept a senatorial we, discount. We have swag now and I can't even give it to you. I can buy it from you. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. 
Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. United States Senator Chris Coons. May I run through the headlines of the day? As much as of I'm course. interested in the periodic chart and your knowledge of it, as well as your faith, uh, this, this sadly is not a laughing matter. The Tyree Nichols case, five Memphis cops charged with second-degree murder, a uh, young African-American man dead, seemingly a familiar fact pattern. Interestingly, in this case, everybody's black. No, no one in the public has yet seen the video. I'm worried about this. Yeah. I'm concerned about this because I don't know, Senator, that there's a right time to release such a video. But six or seven o'clock at night on a Friday night to me doesn't seem optimal. Yeah, that's when they're releasing it tonight. So they charged these guys yesterday, I guess, in, in the hope that it would cool tempers by the time people see the video, because the community will know they've been charged with murder. Um, what thoughts might you have on this case? Look, this is a tragic case, um, a case of uh, brutality so severe um, that the officers have immediately been charged. And, um, you know, it, it's it's hard um, to say anything uh, positive about such a, a senseless, uh, brutal death. Um, he died apparently just a few hundred yards from his own front door. Um, I don't know enough about the, the facts and details of his life, but what I've seen in the press suggests that um, both the facts of the of the police action, um, the facts of sort of where and when he was and the facts of how this unfolded um, are all tragic. Um, I do I do choose to see some positives in that um, police departments um, are making these decisions uh, more quickly um, where they have clear policies um, to which their officers have been trained, um, where they've clearly violated them. Internal investigations move pretty quickly. Um, part of what made similar incidents a year or two or 10 ago um, harder in terms of community relations was how long they dragged on. Um, I know that um, many law enforcement officers went through a hard period of feeling like they couldn't do anything right. Um, I think a part of the response nationally has been to invest in training, in clearer policies around use of force, um, but also uh, accountability through body cameras. One of the things I invested in in Delaware in partnership with our governor and mayor and county executive was uh, rolling out body cameras um, statewide, um, which um, law enforcement has embraced because most of the time that there's body camera footage when a citizen comes to police headquarters and says this bad thing happened or that bad thing happened, most of the time it actually clears the police officer. But in instances like this, it documents something that is brutal and wrong. I think the timing of the release is very foolish. Um, a Friday night is exactly when Memphis is now likely um, to see um, a level of response that, that can turn quickly to violence and be inappropriate. The chief in Memphis had the following to say after she had seen the video. This is not just a professional failing. This is a failing of basic humanity toward another individual. This incident was heinous, reckless, and inhumane. And in the vein of transparency, when the video is released in the coming days, you will see this for yourselves. Senator, heinous and inhumane. I mean, God help us when we see this tape. This, yeah, is, I'm, this I'm, has got to be the worst of the worst. For the chief to say that, yeah. um, the responses that we've um, heard or seen from the few who have seen this video are all in line with that characterization. Look, when I used to speak to police academies in my role as county executive, I would say to the incoming officers, once you are sworn in, um, our community is giving you a badge and a gun. 
And that is, in some ways, in our constitutional order, the greatest responsibility possible. Uh, we are empowering you um, to use force to preserve order. But that means you have to be on your best conduct as an officer. You have to treat people um, with respect and decency, even when they're not doing the same back to you. And this sounds like, from that chief's comments, an incident that goes just way beyond what is acceptable, not just police conduct, but human and moral conduct. I watched you, I think, on Sunday with Martha Raddatz on ABC. And, of course, you were asked, as I wish to ask you, about the classified document issue. Um, you said that you didn't think that Americans were staying up at night worrying about this issue in the context of all that's going on in the world. What what must you go through as a United States senator to see classified information? Can you have it in your office? Can you take it home? I mean, a lot of caller questions this right. week and last have been, well, what can a president or former president do versus a senator? Right. So we did just have a classified briefing on Ukraine this week. Okay. Because of these recent developments, I was a little more attentive than usual. Um, in the in the Capitol, both in the House and the Senate, there is a SCIF, a secure compartmentalized intelligence facility, I think is what SCIF stands for. Um, and as you walk in, there's a, a watch officer at the desk who says, have you removed all electronics? They have a storage cabinet into which we toss our phones. Right. Um, and as you walk in, if there's classified information being distributed, it's clearly marked. Um, we tend to follow through. You know, there's often a PowerPoint or a presentation. And then at the end, um, you should hand everything back in. Um, it is not closely policed. If you chose to casually take some of that and put it in a file folder and walk out with it, nobody frisks you as you're going out. Um, the watch officer says, Senator, or, you know, did you leave everything behind? Um, if you take notes, as I did in that briefing, um, I am attentive to either leaving them to be shredded or leaving them in a file that stays in the skiff. Every individual senator or House member has a file for their notes. So you can skiff. come back and look you in your file. You can come back and review them. Exactly. Um, members of the – but I'm, I'm just a member of the Foreign Relations and Appropriations Committees. If I were a member of the Intelligence Committee, the volume of what I would get would go up dramatically. Um, and there may well be a safe in my office and a space in my office where my intelligence staffer with appropriate security and I are able to take uh, materials out of the safe, review them in my office and return them to the safe. Um, I'm not on intelligence, but that's what I'm told by members who are. But if I'm the vice president or the president, I get the president's daily brief or the PDF that is uh, delivered in my residence often every single day. So whether it's Saturday or Sunday, so clearly, you know, Vice President Pence, Vice President Biden when he was vice president, uh, Vice President Harris, they're getting the PDF wherever they are in the world, uh, and they're getting it every day. Um, now, my superficial impression, having never been in the room for a presidential daily brief, is that an intelligence officer is physically um, custodian of those documents, bringing them in and taking them out, uh, but it's a large volume, and I expect that over time as we do – you know, discussions and hearings about this process, um, it'll become clearer two things. First, that a president and vice president handle a huge volume and on occasion say, please leave that with me. I need to read that in more detail. We've run out of time for this morning's brief. I have to go meet the president of the I get it. Right. I get it. But boy, I really want to get through right. that later tonight and I'll read it here. And over time, they get incorporated into the flood of documents, A, B. 
we classify too many documents. There are millions of documents that are classified. Um, and there are, there are layers of classification. What we don't know and what I don't expect I will ever know, but the intelligence community and the intelligence committee will know, is how serious is the potential risk to our national security of the documents that were misstored um, by Vice President Pence, now President Biden, then Vice President Biden, and by former President Trump. Um, there's two issues to this overarching concern. One is um, how are they responding and two is, what did they have and who else had access to it? The intelligence community um, should be doing an assessment of how serious were these documents. Were they just casual notes? Were they minor documents on something that's long past and where there's no potential risk to sources or methods, no critical national security issue? Or were these you know, nuclear secrets or a list of the names of our agents in China or Russia or something that is a very, very high Can I make two points? national security value? Yes, With please. regard to the SCIF, people want to know why not the, the library analogy continues to come up. Why is there no Dewey Decimal System or to be more contemporary? Why is there no barcode on what you're handed in the SCIF? So that if you remove it, somebody's able to track it. And may I say, with regard to the president, I think his bigger problem is not so much what was near the Corvette in the garage that that was from his vice presidential era. But based on what you've told me from his senatorial career, because he should never have had any information outside of the office that was classified in that phase of his life. Two things. I don't know what the practices were when he was chairman, for example, of the Foreign Relations Committee. Right. When he would have been one of the principal leaders of Congress who get a higher level uh, and a more frequent level of briefing than someone in my position as a more junior member of that committee. Um, first. Second, I don't know how different practices might have been 10 or 20 or 30 years ago in terms of how much information is being delivered. It may be that the current practices in the SCIF that I'm exposed to have been improved and updated. I will tell you without going into detail, there was one incident early in my time where I was at a briefing and apparently one of my colleagues left with an, a very important document. It wasn't 20 minutes later that a very uh, a concerned <laughs> uh, officer uh, confronted me on the floor of the Senate and said, Senator, is there any chance you may have inadvertently removed? And he described the document. And I said, Absolutely not. And he said, show me what's in that folder. I showed him. He said, OK. But they knew that a copy wow. that had been distributed to a senator had left the skiff and they were chasing it down in person. Um, so it may not have had a barcode on it. But I do know there is at least some tracking and management system. I know I can't keep you forever. You're wearing a Ukrainian flag. Quick break. Want to come back. Talk about Ukraine and uh, enjoy my time with United States Senator Chris Coons. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders 
are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. United States Senator Chris Coons is in studio with me. You're wearing a Ukrainian flag. I discovered recently that there is a Michael Smerikanich in Kiev and we're related. Long story, won't bore you with all the details, but I'm, like you, very interested in what's going on. You're in a position to do something about it. Here's my basic question. Has something shifted recently where we've moved from a position of let's give Ukraine what they need to rebuff the Russians to the idea of they can win this thing. Let's give them everything we possibly can. Or am I mistaken? You're right that many in Congress um, have gotten to the point of saying, Um, The Ukrainians can win, and we should be providing them with the military and economic and humanitarian resources, both to deal with the shift in Russian strategy. The Russians are now striking civilian targets over and over and over. They're trying to break the will of the Ukrainian people by freezing them and starving them. And I think it's, you know, it's fallen off the front pages here, but the brutality of the war crimes being committed against civilians is breathtaking. Boris Johnson wrote on this in the Daily Mail a couple of days ago, and I I read it aloud. It's the the images that I've seen, the conversations I've had uh, in Ukraine and in the United States, uh, listening to Ukrainian refugees and to victims uh, of war crimes. It's images I will never unsee and stories I will never be able to get out of my mind. There is a level of cruelty and brutality to the Russian occupation of the Donbass, um, the full story of which will only be known after the war. But when I was in Kiev in November with Senator Rob Portman, it was a bipartisan trip, um, we met with Ukrainian refugees and with the state prosecutor who is gathering information on the ground. Uh, I think because of their success on the battlefield um, in retaking Kherson and retaking parts of the Donbass, um, there is optimism in the West that if um, given the resources, the weapons, the, the funding, um, to sustain their war effort, that the Ukrainians can ultimately um, evict all of the Russian occupiers from their territory. Two things, if I could, that's important for folks to keep a focus on. This war began long before February 24th of last year. Um, the Russians, I'll remind you, invaded and occupied parts of Ukraine beginning eight years ago. And tens of thousands of Ukrainians have died, uh, bravely fighting for their country and for its independence, for it to survive as a democracy. 
Um, most of the West only began to pay close attention to it when thousands of Russian tanks um, and more than 100,000 Russian troops rolled over the border in February, um, surprising much of the West, surprising the Ukrainian leadership. I think this is President Biden's um, strongest and greatest chapter in his leadership as president. He saw this. He authorized early and public release of the intelligence. He built consensus in uh, Western capitals. And he had the patience um, to really build and sustain um, a stronger NATO, stronger than it's been in decades, and to engage our allies from South Korea, Japan, and Australia to joining us in imposing sanctions. The decision on tanks shows all of this. Um, the Abrams. The Abrams. Um, initially, our most senior military leadership, correctly, was saying that the Abrams is a very expensive very sophisticated platform, difficult to maintain, difficult to fuel, um, difficult to arm, and resisted the idea of our deploying Abrams. Um, Chancellor Schultz, uh, the leader of Germany, has made a dramatic change in their military and foreign policy, uh, a generational change, doubling their spending on defense, uh, being willing to send their Leopard tanks and release Leopards that have been purchased by other allies, Finland, uh, Poland, Spain, but only on the condition that we go with him, that right. we send Abrams. Does it matter how many we send? It doesn't really so matter it's... how many we send. We're sending 31. Um, what matters is that hundreds ultimately make it to the battlefront and make it as quickly how as about possible F How about F-16s? I, I think we will get to that decision eventually because eventually we will be providing security guarantees of some kind from the West to Ukraine, and that will require them to have the ability to deter future Russian aggression. Final question. I don't want to have I don't overstay my welcome because I want you always to come back. Are you less I want to uh, frame this properly. Are you less concerned today a year into this about Putin going nuclear than you were at the outset of the war? Because this is sort of a corollary to me asking you, have we shifted now to a mindset of, wow, we can actually win this thing. We, the Ukrainians, with our support. At the outset, people were tepid because, uh-oh, he'll be a caged animal and he could go nuclear. Now I don't hear that level of concern. But what about you? You're the United States senator. Are you less concerned about him going nuclear today than you were a year ago? Uh, I remain concerned. Um, that, Same level? That, that Putin controls uh, one of the world's largest, most lethal nuclear arsenals. He has threatened over and over and over um, and uh, what I, I read, a, I read an editorial that actually had a big impact on my thinking um, that said we should be less concerned with Putin's threats and his red lines than we are with moving his red lines. And it documented uh, different times and places where Putin threatened something right. and then didn't follow through. I'm concerned that if the West is not united and if we don't persist, he will in the long run win, as he did in Chechnya, as he has in Syria, through brutality. Um, and the message that sends to other autocrats and to others who are aggressive and oppressive around the world, we can't afford. I think we need to support the Ukrainian people. I'm wearing an American and a Ukrainian flag pin. And I'll tell you in closing, Michael, that moment on the floor of the House at the end of last year, hundreds of Americans, House and Senate, Republicans, Democrats, cheering as the leader of Ukraine sure. addressed us. 
uh, was one of the most inspiring moments I've had as a senator. All right. We got one fifth of the way through my agenda. You'll come back. We'll, we'll do it all over again. OK, of course. Senator Coons, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate your being here. Thank you, Michael. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM.